that's the backstory. Right. Uh, are we live yet? Or yeah. Just this is already okay. It's okay. Live. We're just chilled, and then I will make it happen. Like we'll, we'll bleed in the content as we we'll, we'll bring in the audio as the content makes makes sense. All good. Yeah. All good. Uh, yeah. So regarding Rebel Online, uh, Rebel Online is my my agency. Mm -hmm. So mostly an e-commerce agency that I started six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man. It, it started with I was working at a SaaS company uh, for financial SaaS, which is not that exciting. Uh, but the good thing about that company was like very focused on self development and really bettering yourself as a human. Mm -hmm. um, in order to provide better results or not, you know, that's debatable. But the good thing is they created that environment and I was heavily focused on self-development and just optimizing every facet of my life. Uh, at the time, what I was doing was I was going up to people who've had uh, a track record that I would like to have. And I was just inviting them for lunch or coffee or something like that. And I ended up inviting this guy who was on Shark Tank in Portugal. And who was it? Tim Vieira. Oh, yeah. He's been on the show. Yeah? yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so awesome. Tim, Tim's an amazing guy. Yeah. Uh, if it weren't for Tim, I probably wouldn't have started the agency as early as I did. Um, Tim had lunch with me. He really believed in me. He saw like potential. He's like, hey, do you want to, you know, I'll bring you clients and, you know, I'll help you start your agency. And that's how I got started. Yeah. He's incredible. He's an incredible builder like that. Like he really stitches the things together really well. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, probably the best thing I learned about Tim or from Tim is surround yourself like with the best people. Not It's like what Steve Jobs did as well, right? It's the, I don't try to learn the things that experts know is I'll hire the experts so they know the things for me. And Tim does that very, very well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, started the agency. Uh, at the start, it was very small. Uh, some clients I was charging 70 euros per month <laughs> to manage their paid media. Um, but, uh, effectively was the start of a very big journey. Um, for the first two years, you know, we kind of just played around with the Portuguese market, very slow, slow, slow and small scale operations. Uh, and then something changed. I, I had this guy followed on LinkedIn and he, out of the blue, he invited me to a marketing event that he was hosting in LA. And I'm like, why not? Yeah. Who was it? Um, Thomas Ma. Okay. This guy had like a, one of the biggest TikTok agencies back when TikTok was a new thing, uh -huh. right? Very new. Um, and I, I figured, why not? I mean, what's stopping me? I think I was 20, maybe like 23 years old at the time. It's like, why not go to LA to a marketing event? So I did. Uh, I met one of my best friends there and I started working with him and that got us access to international clients which kind of changed the game. We were able to, you know, charge higher fees, uh, be exposed to a completely different market and a completely different reality than Portugal. I think one of the things that as far as entrepreneurship goes in, in Portugal is kind of like we have our stacks, we have our cards stacked against us in because of the culture. Because of culture? Yeah. Like what's an example? There's a lot of like tall poppy syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what it is? Yeah, yeah. So it's like if you stick your head up, you're the one that gets snipped. Exactly. Right. And a bit of the, the crap bucket example as well. Uh, yes, you try to climb out and someone keeps pulling you back down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think it's gotten a lot better, but it's, it's not normal to deviate from the traditional path. Uh, more so in Portugal. I remember a friend of mine, I was talking to him about this. He's American. And dude, when I was in school, 
I told my English teacher, I want to be a professional snowboarder. And my English teacher turned to me and she said, who do you think you are? Like, like you have, you, you don't have the capabilities. We're going to have snow in Portugal. And my American friend, I told him about this and he's like, you know what? In, in America, in the States, if someone said that, if I told that to my teacher, they said, you go, like you, you do everything you can and you, you try to go for it. Yeah. It's just like, imagine as a kid, that sort of messaging what are you going to carry out through your entire life? It's like, oh, I shared this dream with someone and don't believe I can do it versus I share my dream with someone and believe that I can do it. Yeah. So there's a lot of that cultural thing going on. Actually, I had something similar at school. I, you know, I used to really, I used to really love art. And um, uh, we had an art teacher, um, uh, Mr. Andrews, and I don't think he'll ever listen to this, but what a dick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I remember specifically him asking me, you know, what do you want to be one day? And it just at the time, I was like, you know, I'd really like to be, you know, um, an aerospace engineer. And listen, I didn't have the marks and I didn't have the, I didn't have the capacity <laughs> to do it then. But in my mind, it was something that I wanted to be. I was a 14-year-old kid and that just sounded like amazing. And he just laughed at me at the same, the same sort of vein as like, who do you think you are? Like, you are really. And then it became like the running joke for him every time I walked in the class to bring it up. Hey, aerospace engineer, you know, it was oh, wow. like, and I was like, okay, you sort of, you brushed it off. But, you know, I, I stopped taking art the next year, which was something that I really enjoyed. And it just, first of all, it broke the relationship with him, but it also, like, it, it died. And um, to be honest, like if I think about it today, like that would have been terrible for me in terms of work. But it was just the same thing as like when you are young and impressionable and you're trying to build an identity for yourself, it's so important that the people who are giving you feedback are saying, well, how are you going to solve that problem? Or, you know, what's your plan to do that? And that really creates like some awareness in you that you can do it if you do the right work for it. So it, it, it can be quite damaging teachers. 100%. Yeah. I mean, but that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Part of my French, like that's that's fucked up for a teacher. Honestly. Yeah, no, we we uh, I went to a traditional all boys school, and there was just some stuff there that you just like that they got away with in the culture of like bad banter. Yeah, um, but you don't think about it from a development perspective, and um, yeah, I think that on some level, you know, to defend him on some level, it was just like the culture was banter. Like, yeah stick it to them type thing but um yeah i, I just it was I, I do remember it very clearly to this day that that became like a running joke in the art class <laughs> yeah. anyway so i didn't mean to break your your train of thought uh, carry on wait, 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 what yeah no about? not at all i mean this this stuff uh, this stuff is important yeah. but um yeah back to back to the story of rebel so i went to la gained access to the international market uh, a couple of years in we only started working with international clients because uh again the mar market in portugal is very small and most Portuguese companies, either they, they're A, very small and they don't have really the cash to invest, uh, or B, they're bigger, but they, are, um, they have preference for suppliers. At the time, we we're only doing Facebook ads. Mm. And to really capture a really big client in Portugal, number one, you need to kind of go through a little bit of bureaucracy. And number two, uh, you really needed to provide a full service because they don't want to have multiple agencies. So effectively, we just focused on the international market. I started traveling way more. So uh, six years out of the agency, I probably spent around four years at the agency just traveling around the world, uh, Asia, United States, that sort of thing. That like also opened my horizons and I really got 
I was already pretty attached to English as a culture, mostly like American, because I grew up playing uh, video games with, you know, foreigners and uh, watched a lot of movies and listened to a lot of Frank Sinatra and all that. Mm. Uh, so effectively, I just became like more international through that process of traveling, which also just I kept expanding my network through Rebel. Uh, effectively, Rebel, even though it wasn't my, my million dollar ticket, uh, it was the start of a very big journey yeah. uh, that effectively led, it, led me to where I am. So, so, I mean, when you say it's not your million dollar ticket, like what is it? Is it, um, what is it for you that if it's not that? Yeah. So I think I could tie this in with some of the stuff that um, I told you about or in our last conversation. I started Rebel out of what I know today being fear. Uh, because I grew up with financial uncertainty. Uh, my dad is a very successful entrepreneur, and I think it was in the 03 economic crisis, if I'm not mistaken. He lost pretty much about everything, and my parents got divorced at the same time. Uh, so as a kid, um, I was facing a lot of uncertainty. Um, it's kind of my belief nowadays that you end up becoming who you wanted to have in your life as a kid, right? So if I lacked financial certainty, I want to become an adult that can provide that financial certainty to, quote unquote, the inner child in me. Uh, not necessarily that I have a little kid <laughs> residing in me. But yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I think it's like pretty standard now that we, we, we're openly talking about those inner children that have been damaged in some way. Exactly. So yeah. you want to become that per the person that you didn't have back then. So I did not know what I wanted to do. Uh, when I went to, to university, I'm, honestly, I was a pretty bad student. Uh, I really didn't care. I just want to play video games. Um, ironically, video games led me to entrepreneurship mm -hmm. because I saw in video games, I wanted my character to be the best character possible. So at one point I thought, what if I do this with my life? Like, how can I apply this concept to my life? And that's how I found out self-development. And at the time, Tony Robbins was the big thing. And I started seeing Shark Tank and I'm, I'm starting to get this picture of oh, entrepreneurship. Being an entrepreneur is like the, the apex, mm. right? The apex predator of the professional world. Now I have different ideas about that. Yeah, but... I, I, we definitely know to talk about that. I have very different ideas now too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we could touch on that as well. But effectively, like that image of seeing these, these successful people on Shark Tank and getting this, these large amounts of money. And I'm like, that's it. I need to start a business. Gary Vee was like popping off at the time. He was just starting his career, right? And um, I'm like, all right, th this, this is the way. This is something that I need to do. Uh, but if it weren't for Tim, I probably wouldn't have to, had the balls to start it as early as I did. Yeah, uh, just someone backing you, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's someone who's Believes had so much success. Yeah. I really thought like with this guy on my team, I can't fail. And because late, uh, later in my life, I discovered that I actually have a, a deep fear of failure. Uh, because it's tied to my dad. I saw my dad effectively fail and that destroyed his life for around 10 to 15 years. So failure for me is like, if you fall, it'd be a nasty fall. So I was so afraid to fail. I had to find someone who believed in me enough that I can be like, all right, I'm safe now. I can go move forward. So if I have one big thing to thank Tim, it's probably that he believed in me when I didn't, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so that's, that's how I got started as an, as an entrepreneur and it wasn't a million dollar ticket because, uh, you know, it gave me the financials to live a very cool lifestyle, 
traveling, not really caring too much about my expenses. Uh, but, you know, as I think as most kids and millennials and maybe even more Gen Zers, it's like, oh, when I'm 30, I'm going to be a millionaire. Uh, that didn't happen. But I think something even better happened. The, the journey of growing the agency led me to a place where I'm able to, I was able to find myself in, in more ways than one, but most specifically spiritually. And that's kind of like my big thing right now uh, and the message that I want to kind of spread. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where it led me. So I, I just off of your story, and thanks for sharing that, and um, also sort of digging into some of maybe like the more tender things, um, but, you know, sort of going back on a few things. The first one that you kind of referenced in terms of yourself as being more international, and, you know, there was some reference to your sort of the, you know, Portugal's culture kind of not wanting the tall poppy syndrome or, you know, the crab in the bucket to kind of pull you back. But I'm not sure that that's a... Portugal specific thing, but I think that that could be a people specific thing who don't have exposure to different context. Yeah. And I've definitely experienced that in South Africa, but I've experienced it everywhere. Like that you create this world around yourself that says, this is it. This is how we do things. And this is, this is kind of the path you must follow. And so anything foreign to that becomes like an immediate attack vector. Like I don't want you to do that because I can't do that, or I don't think that that's possible because I could never see myself doing that. Mm-hmm. Did you always feel that you were slightly different? Um, you know, you said you're playing video games, like you had this attachment to other people that you kind of like, you you had like this competitive streak in you that wants to be the best. Was it something that Tim validated that you are different, that went, or, you know, like that's what I mean, like you said that he believed in you, but maybe just validated the belief in yourself that you are different. Yeah. Hundred percent, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like someone just coming along and saying, "What you're doing is okay. Mm. You know what you're doing is all right. You can you can take this path." Uh, versus, you know, just before university, uh, I was trying to pick a major, right? And I I said, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with journalism. That sounds cool. Know, uh, writing about stuff and i always liked writing uh, i like the vision of being a war journalist and yeah. in the trenches and yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. fear and loathing in Las Vegas yeah, yeah. and then, you know <laughs> but uh it just sounded very appealing very sexy and um i could have done stuff with it for sure content's a big business nowadays probably mm. the biggest one right yeah and uh, data yeah and data yeah. yeah but um i ended up not going because my grandpa told me there's no money in journalism I'm like, all right, scratch that. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, what, what, what else would be cool? Um, maybe doing ads for TV. That sounds cool. Just sitting around in a table and thinking about like polar bears for Coca-Cola and something like that, you know? Yeah. So I went for marketing and advertising. Um, but I still never knew what I wanted to do at, at the end of the day. I just went like, I went to take a bachelor's and a master's because it was my grandparents' dream. Uh, but I knew that effectively I wanted to do things differently. You know, I've, uh, in my, in my past, I've, I've considered being a pro gamer. I've considered being a Twitch streamer. I've considered, uh, you know, a lot of these things that are off the beaten path. Um, but effectively I never had anyone in my life that could come and say like, Number one, I've been there. I know you could go there. And number two, it's okay. Move forward. And that's, one thing that I want to note is that 
like my grandpa saying there's no money in journalism that that's that comes out of love yeah it's not a it's not trying to break you down yeah. it's like saying hey i want you to be better than i was and i don't think that that's a good road to walk but i you know to add to that i think it's difficult because when your kids are stepping up with interests and you you raise it you know off the beaten path is actually the new path yeah the twitch stream is actually the new path and so you have to be very careful about killing things that you don't understand so journalism might have had a huge happiness factor and given you a lot in terms of freedom of time or the things that you really wanted for yourself in your life and that's money can't be the only thing you just have to make them aware of that's cool there's no money in that but there's these things. So what are the positives? Why journalism? Like what are the positives and do they outweigh the stability, the financial stability that you would get? And I think that's kind of my rule that I'm currently building for my kids is saying, I'm not going to say no to anything as long as you're the best at it. <laughs> right? Cool. You want to, you want to be a journalist? Like, cool. As long as you're going to apply yourself to that in a way that's going to make you the best at it. You're not going to do it as a, cop out from being the best at something else. Yeah. Commit yourself to it. Yeah, commit yourself to it and that's time in and that's it's it's gonna be something that you you know, until you're in your forties you wanna get up and smash that thing and you wanna differentiate yourself in it. Because I find that that's been like when I look around my peer group is that people who are doing really well really invested time into these things. And they were not watching the clock and clocking in and clocking out. They were like really passionate about it. And, um, and they never got tired doing the work. They're like, they were like really energized by doing the work. And then they get to a point where like, okay, I need someone else to do this work now, but that's it. And I, I'd like to help my kids find that path. Is yeah. that okay? As long yeah, like twitching, uh, the one thing I say about being a Twitch streamer is that uh, like, you could end up with a, with a cavity in your head from the headphones. Just be aware, you're going to get a weird shaped head. <laughs> It comes with a job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, you know, being a Twitch streamer is not as great as it sounds. Like you, you see the you see the donations, and you think I'm playing video games all day, or I'm chatting with people all day. Uh, being a Twitch streamer is probably like one of the psychologically probably one of the worst jobs you can have right now. Like you're you're exposed to the opinion of millions of people online. Uh, people have no, nothing better to do than to insult you or to make you want to try to feel bad. And that's not like, oh my no, that's just a pessimistic view of the world. Like, no, that's true. Like there's these people online. If, if I post anything online, there's a chance that at least one guy is going to try and, you know, pierce through my heart. Right. Yeah. So you need to have very tough skin. And then the second thing is if you take a look at like biologically speaking, it must be really unhealthy for you. Super unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so carry on. No, no, but, but it, it's exactly yeah. that. It's like you have like this mental attack consistently happening. You're not getting like vitamin D. You're not moving around enough. You are just like in this blue light bath for hours. It's like being in a casino at a slot machine all day, right? Exactly. Like you, you, you disconnect it from the reality and then you, you get really sick. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. looks very sexy from the outside. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to say you couldn't pay me to be a Twitch streamer. I could probably do it for a year yeah. and like stop doing it. And for a year, if, if I'm getting money out of it, because doing it for years on end until you have an audience, that's pure dedication. But that's like, 
you're sacrificing a lot, man. You're yeah. sacrificing a lot for that type of stuff. And at the end of the day, is it something that you really want to do forever? Do you want to have kids and like, oh, 5 p.m., I got to get on stream to make income to, you know. Maybe you're a savvy businessman and, you know, you launch brands out of your Twitch stream and uh, like kind of like Mr. Mr. Beast is doing. Yeah, um, but that takes time, right? Like that's time. that's like platform is built. Yeah. Then you diversify, right? Like you've got to, you've got to go deep deep and and long on what you're doing and then the additional revenue streams come and i think that that's i mean even this podcast like it's going to take time building enough contents before you can branch out more content like it's just it's it's work yeah it's hard work and i think that just you know on the twitch example is that um i just find that whatever you do you needs to have some sort of constructive feedback loops in you that are doing good things for you too and the financial gain is like really great but you know doing something for financial gain shouldn't kill your ability to enjoy that financial gain and so that's that's a offset it's not a good model right like if you were getting financial gain and you were really like really happy and your health was in thing and when you turn 60 you're like well i've got my health and i've got my vitality and my family's around me if those things are important to you but that's my point is okay cool so you're making a lot of money but you could die like yeah. that's not a good that's not a good trade-off yeah yeah 100 yeah they actually like tie in twitch streaming with uh entrepreneurship i saw this very recent interview of one of the nvidia founders uh and they asked I saw the him, same interview you yeah. saw this yes like, yes if they would do it again it's like fuck no yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah, I think that I, I feel that like a lot of a lot of really great entrepreneurs that I've founders, you know, like very successful founders, like who've had major exits, um, are kind of trapped. You know, mm-hmm. like they're trapped in the in the world that they've created because they they build something, they spend a huge amount of time building that thing, and then it becomes hugely dependent on them. And along the way, they cast off a lot of the relationships that were supporting them. And so then they get to the end of that and it's like, oh, now I've created success. The thing's kind of running on its own, but I don't have the relationships that I once had. And I don't have the people that I can really rely on to give me honest feedback. Everyone that's talking to me now is talking to me as a billionaire or talking to me as something else. And this is like underdeveloped emotional side that yeah. now needs work. And so it, it really is the, you know, these trade-offs. And I, and I think what I really like about Rebel Online is that some people, it doesn't have to be the million dollar ticket. Sometimes it could just be the ticket that gives you ownership of your time. And that's hugely what most people want at the end of the day. You want to be really financially sound because you want to own your time. And when you own your time, you own your life and you can do these other spiritual things. And I think we've spoken about this before. Is that, you know, it's like everyone climbs the hill, they get to the top of the hill, and then they're like, oh, this is not it. This is the wrong hill. There's a whole other mountain of self-development now I need to start pursuing and it becomes quite spiritual and becomes quite, uh, you know, sort of um, philanthropic. And I think that that's, you see this big change and this flip around change, but then it's hard for people to believe that they're genuine. Like, whatever, you're a millionaire already. Like, you know, yeah, like, of course you're happy. saying that, you know, yeah, like, yeah. of course you're saying that you should work on yourself and you should do these other things while everyone else is at the grind. But yeah, it is, it is interesting. I, like maybe you can talk a little bit more about like your thoughts on, on that, getting to the top of the mountain and then, oh, it's not it. Yeah. 
I think I'd start with a quote from Jim Carrey. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher it now, but he said something along the lines of, I wish everyone could be rich and famous for a day so they could see that it's not the end all and then yeah. they could start living their lives. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> after our conversation, because we spoke about this the last time we spoke, I, I started thinking like, you know, entrepreneurship is probably like one of the best spiritual journeys you can embark on. Because if done successfully, it will put you in a place where you can't escape yourself. You're going to be at the top of the mountain and you cannot deny the fact that there are other mountains. And this is not where you're looking for, right? Uh, and that, you know, that happened with me. I grew rebel. The focus was financial freedom, financial independence. And uh, honestly, like I kept fi finding myself, especially in the last two years, in a very dark place. And I was like, why, why is this happening? And it's, it's, it's a tough place to be for entrepreneurs because from the outside, it looks like your life is awesome. You get to travel. You have money when, you know, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. It's like, uh, you know, what do you have to complain about? Um, and then you start judging yourself like, yeah, what do I have to complain about? My life's good, you know? Um, and that's kind of the, the warning sign of you need to go deeper. You need to start looking. Uh, you need to start looking in places you haven't looked before, you haven't searched before. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say that. I've seen this pattern. I haven't met one entrepreneur that hasn't had this pattern, right? So you will, usually entrepreneurs start the, their journey out of, let me try to heal my trauma through entrepreneurship. For me, that was financial independence. For others, it could be something like, even the trauma of purpose can be, you know, solved. Well, you mean like lack of purpose? Or lack of purpose. Okay. Uh, lack of connection for a lot of men, it's uh, loneliness. So uh, a lot of men nowadays, uh, we try to we try to have financial gain, and we think that through financial gain, people like us, especially women, because you know our primal brain is trying to crave female attention. Uh, and then we find out that it's not even if we get that attention, we find out that yeah, this is not it because it's all external. External, external, external. And the moment that we need something external to validate our internal self will always be a lacking something. Right? Uh, so effectively, you go through the journey. And this is why you have millionaires that go uh, to philanthropy, millionaires who start retreats, millionaires who uh, advocate for psychedelic therapy nowadays, uh, because they get to a point where it's like, I need to heal myself because this didn't work. But it got you to a place where now you have the resources to actually work on yourself. Because it's, it's very hard to be spiritual when you're like a mom of two and you need to feed your family. Yeah. It's very easy to be spiritual when you're like, right, I don't need to work. I have all this time for myself. So it comes down to uh, almost like the Maslow hierarchy of needs. You can only like start going deeper into yourself once you have all those basic needs figured out. And entrepreneurship kind of gives you that. But I think the second mountain, or maybe the third or the fourth, I, I'm not even sure which mountain I'm on right now. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a way bigger challenge because that's a challenge that can effectively, um, it, can, it can break you to a certain degree. Because one of the things that uh, humans don't realize or most people don't realize is that we are very very smart at 
staying away from things that will hurt us. Yeah, we, we, we are built to avoid discomforts. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and a lot of the things that we do in our lives, even our careers, our entre- like being an entrepreneur and all that, if you don't know yourself to a certain degree, I'm willing to bet that most of it is behavior that's trying to suppress something else. Yeah. And the bigger that behavior, the bigger the structure that you built around it, the bigger the fear you're trying to escape from. So effectively, this means that uh, there is something so scary within you that you needed to build this empire to run away from. And I'm not saying like every entrepreneur is like this. I'm just saying from what I've observed, most people I know, there's either a small trauma or something that they're trying to compensate from that they didn't get in childhood or something like that. This is just like basic human psychology, right? Yeah, well, I think that entrepreneurship is one of those things or running a business creates quite a lot of noise mm-hmm. that you that yeah. that sort of kills out any anything else. So um, and so and so whether it's entrepreneurship or whether it's just being the life of the party, it's normally some aspect of that that I'm creating a persona that kills the noise of the thing that I'm that's most bothering me and I, I can I can I think I can believe that I think that not everyone has to start the business but some people that people do it on some sort of level some people find it through exercise some people find it through something else it's like there is this this damage trauma fear um, that then gets turned into a drive for some people or for some other people it just completely destroys them and and so the upside is entrepreneurship but then that has negative ramifications down the line if it's not managed well either yeah, I would touch on that in the sense of, and this could probably like tick some people off, uh, but I think trauma, if if it's well addressed, it could be like probably one of the biggest gifts to your life. Yes. Because if you choose to, and a lot of us, we do it this subconsciously, if you choose to tackle the trauma that you have, that will teach you uh, a very big lesson. Uh, there's almost like this karmic slash spiritual journey that comes with fixing the trauma. Uh, Jordan Peterson ha- has this um, segment where he says, if you have a problem, don't run away from it. You know, face the problem, solve it. It's your problem to, to, to fix. Mm. And if you're able to do that, then you're truly able to help other humans because you've been through it. And to be able to give such a a gift, to be like, hey, I've actually gone through this and I'm able to push you through this. That's how we create a a healthier humanity, healthier society, healthier world, effectively. I don't don't think trauma, and by the way, I'm speaking out of a privileged position here because my trauma hasn't led me to uh, unaliving myself or something like that. It's it's almost like an external trauma, like, right? Like it's... Bad things have happened indirectly to you. Yeah. I think the trauma, other trauma where it's direct to you and it's caused emotional, like things through abuse, sexual abuse, it's a different trauma. Like it's, it's you know, I, I think that it's a very long road to, to eventually call something like that a gift depending on where you come out on the other side of that, but that's normally so damaging. I don't think I can't speak to it, but, but the, but the trauma that, you know, I can definitely relate to is 
yeah, things were tough financially in our home. It was a constant money was a constant subject for us. How much we had, how much we paid for things. Uh, when we when we were able to pay for things, we kind of like over celebrated that success. Do you know what I mean? It was a very central point for us. And um, so you know, my 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 parents were divorced very young. Uh, my father lived in the U.S. Um, so I didn't really see him at all. I think I saw him twice between the ages of two and 17. Yeah. So like I had my own version of this. And so exactly what you're saying, like I want to build the version of me that I never had. Mm -hmm. It's like how I am as a dad, how I am in business. I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to be successful. I want, I don't want to worry about money. I don't want to, uh, I want my kids to have a very present father. So whatever I build needs to have access give me time to have access to them all the time. So yeah, I think I can definitely relate to that um, trauma. I think trauma, when you digest it and you look what it, what you're able to build from it, um, it can be a gift, but you do need someone often to help you see the gift of it or to give you that chance. Like the Tim, I had a mentor that kind of backed me, you know, and it was like, okay, he believes in me. Then I am different. I can go and make this thing happen. Yeah. I think that we've got to create platforms for more people like that. Yeah. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, this was this, uh, I think, a statistic where most successful human beings, and when I say successful, it's not entrepreneurs, it's like people who are happy had at least one person that believed in them wholeheartedly when they were a kid. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's the thing. And to, to, to speak with, to, you know, sexual abuse and really, really, really dark stuff, um, I can't speak for that. Like I said, I speak from a privileged standpoint where my, the, the hardships that I had are nothing compared to some, some of the hardships that other people had. Mm. However, I've seen people come out the other side. I've, I have friends who turned their sexual abuse and even darker traumas into, you know, these are now amazing coaches and people who are effectively helping out in the best way possible because they've been able to help themselves out. Yeah. So I, I've seen it happen. Is it hard? I'm, I'm fairly sure it's harder than anything. And I don't think you ever you know? cured. I don't think you've ever healed. I think that's, yeah. I think that you, 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 you just in a better position to maybe digest these things or to, to sort of work through them, but I don't think you're ever healed. No, uh, there's, I'm not a psychologist or a therapist, so I can't really say, you know, scientifically, uh, I do, have uh, a belief in myself that I kind of gotten over the last two years, uh, thanks to therapy, mm -hmm. that there there is a journey that we're all in, and even the, even though we didn't choose it, we can choose what that journey brings to us. So, despite the hardships, you have the power to choose whether those hardships, whether you identify with those hardships, and like. We have a lot of this on our society right now. It's like, because X happened to me, therefore I'm not able to do Y for the rest of my life. Whereas I believe because X happened to me, I have this, this kind of like still energy from this event that, that I can transmute it as something that's good for me. Yeah. So it's the difference between treating depression with antidepressants and actually finding the root cause and healing yourself through it, right? Um, I've taken antidepressants. Um, the big difference was antidepressants were suppressing, uh, versus when I started actual therapy, I found out the root cause, but I can tell you like going through that process sucks. Yeah. People, like people talk about healing and 
oh, I'm going to meditate and I'm going to feel nice. I'm going to pour a self salt in my bath and all that. And that's, you know, self-care is amazing, but true healing sucks. Yeah. It, it, all growth sucks. All growth sucks. hundred percent. It's like, that's the, you know, we, we spoke about this, um, you know, what is the key things that makes entrepreneurs successful? And, you know, what are the kind of like the attributes that differentiate them and why do people fail? And there is an exposure to the suck that you have to kind of push through and you have to be willing to consistently do that little by little every single day. You know, I think that that's something that's no matter what you want to do, if you want to lose weight, if you want to build a business, if you want to make new friends, if you want to move to a new country, there is an element of suck that you're going to have to go through. That's going to take you out of your comfort zone into the suck zone. And then it doesn't suck. And when it doesn't suck, then it's like, that's just, I find that people are constantly on an evolution path are always then looking for the next suck. Like, like, okay, well, I've kind of mastered this thing. Now I know what I don't know. Let me go into the next layer of this, right? Like, and, and it, it's infinite. No matter what you decide to do, it's infinite. Even losing weight, you, there's infinite knowledge to be held around nutrition and exercise and whatever it is. So, yeah, I think that it, it really is um, all, all growth sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What you said reminded me kind of a Jordan Peterson who's – Almost like in every uh, speech, he says, life's suffering, man, and you can choose to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, you you can choose to face those challenges and effectively they'll, they'll make you a better human. Yeah, I think one of the things that early on in my life, uh, I discovered this through, through therapy because of my parents' divorce and my financial hardship on my family, I matured really quickly. So I didn't, I kind of lacked that fun part of childhood. And then I started thinking, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to have this fun as much fun as I can in, in my twenties and that sort of thing. And fun for me was playing video games. So I effectively wanted to create a lifestyle where I could play video games and not care about the world. Um, but then I realized, oh, wow, uh, this is actually the opposite of a happy life because when you give into the hedonistic tendencies and you just like pleasure, 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 that's a very deep, dark hole because humans, we're not, we're not built to experience pleasure all the time. Quite the, quite the opposite. We're built to go through struggle and then experience more pleasure. famine than feast, right? Yeah. 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 Because that, 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 that's effectively a good fuel. But if you take a look at uh, just how society is built nowadays, um, and I'm not saying like, let's go back to primal times, live in a cavern and hunt for a food, but it's, it's comfort everywhere. Um, you can sit at your place, you can order food, you can be at the couch and watch TV all day. Um, and effectively, there's nothing driving you. you. You lose your drive completely. And then it's, it's very easy to be depressed. Very easy because there's, you look at your life and you feel like, well, Number one, your dopamine levels are going down. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're enjoying what you're doing less. And because we're enjoying what you're doing less, it's already highly hedonistic. So it's very stimulating. So now you're going to go down and you can't do the things that would effectively lead you to a better place in life. So you have to almost force yourself through willpower to leave the things that make you feel good, but don't make you feel that good in order to move to a better place. 
it's kind of like setting off sail and someone tells you there's an island there as an oasis going to the desert. I promise you there's an oasis, but you just see sand and you're at the city. City has lights, it's comfort, you know, mm. maybe you have your wife there or something like that. It's, it's nice in the city. It's warm. And it's mm. like travel through the desert and you'll find an oasis. It's a better life. I promise you. Yeah. You can't, it's, you know? it's, it's a weird mindset to create for yourself because you have to then create the city as the reward or the oasis as the reward and know that neither of those are permanent. That the desert is the permanent. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's like, that's a tough thing to mentally condition yourself to today. Like to say, I'm going to now walk in the desert more often than I sit in the city or live in the oasis you know and and that's that's like discipline that's life discipline that you have to start building to say it's also not a good thing to constantly put yourself in the desert either no. right like you have to create a reward at the end of these things so if you have a financial goal that's good don't forget to financially reward yourself as a part of that goal like otherwise you then you just start the next thing and you're going to start conditioning your brain to not believe you yeah like it comes down to like a basic, if you set yourself a 30 minute time timer to work like in flow, you say, okay, I'm going to work very focused for 30 minutes and then I'm going to take a five minute break at the end of 30 minutes and you don't take the five minute break because you're in the zone, then into the next 30 minutes, you'll find that you can't focus anymore. And what your brain is saying, like, I don't believe you. Yeah. You said we would have a five minute break. We didn't have the five minute break. So why are we working for 30 minutes? You're just going to work for hours. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really also like important psychologically to say, okay, if I create a reward center for myself at the end of something, I need to make sure that I fulfill that reward. And, and that's, that's an in integral part of like really good goal setting and saying, what will the reward be? Why am I doing this? And what am I going to get out of it? And why is that important for me? Mm -hmm. And so I, I've definitely found that I find on days like setting my flow timer, working and I kind of like cheated oh, just, I'm, I'm doing so well here like let me just crack on that the next 30 minutes is like complete jut or rubbish and then I can't work effectively but if I go 25 minutes with a five minute break and then I get onto Instagram and I do whatever for my five minutes then I go back I'm, like, I'm super zoned in again it's like it's such an important psychological thing 100% I agree yeah. it's very Pavlovian in nature yeah yeah all right it's kind of like and now you're working and your brain is like, oh, hell yeah, let's work because we know what's in the end of the, you know, let's yeah. go to the desert yeah. because we know we're going to get to the oasis. Yeah. Now you're creating that anchor point of like getting back to it all the time. Yeah. So you're, it's, well, yeah, once you know where the oasis is, maybe there's more oasis. Like yeah. that could be your point. Like it's going to be better than the city, right? Like but I think that just on that, sorry to interrupt, but no, like it, it, it brings something to mind that you were speaking about that Jordan Peterson speaks about. Um, yes, I hope he's like really enjoying how much I'm plugging his show today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he speaks about like that heaven and hell. Yeah. Right. And you, you, we've spoken about this. I'm not too versed in it, but like the basic concept as, as I understand is that the hell has to be bad enough to move you to heaven. Yeah. Right. And, and that's kind of like what you're alluding to in terms of trauma. You had bad trauma. It created an environment that I don't want to be here anymore. This is hell. So I have to go and create heaven. Like that's kind of thing like how does that kind of play into your habits today or how does it sort of now that you've kind of built a successful platform how do you create hell for yourself or do you need to what a question <laughs> it's deep no it's, we got time don't worry yeah, yeah it's it's a tough question 
I, I, I wish I could sit here and say, uh, you know what, Stephen, here's how I do everything. And here's the habits that I focus on to have an amazing life. And here's everything I do to effectively create heaven on earth. The truth is I don't do <laughs> the things that I should, I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, nobody does that. Yeah, nobody does. But uh, if I tie into the, the mountain thing, is kind of like you climb, you start from hell. Um, and you start climbing the mountain. And you get to Olympus, and that's heaven. And then now you're chilling out with the gods. I'm like, oh, shit, that's cool. Then you start looking down again. You see the other mountains. But the other mountains, you need to go through hell again. Mm. That's kind of like where I see the, the path going because to climb to the other mountain, there's a process of knowing, of uh, acknowledging that you don't know certain things. And not knowing certain things takes you to uncertainty, which effectively leads us down the mountain back to, back into hell again. Mm. And what's like the motivation to go back into hell? Like... Because you, you, you can't live without knowing the second mountain. If you're the type of person that climbed the first mountain, you won't be able to live with yourself knowing that there's something out there that you've, you haven't seen. And you can choose to live in ignorance for a certain amount of time, but it will get to you and your body will, your body will force you out of it. Mm. Whether you get depression or you'll, uh, you'll start being really stressed, our body has this really amazing way of signaling, hey, man, like we, we need to change something. Mm. Uh, again, I'm going to plug in Jim Carrey again. But he said, uh, sadness is momentary. Sadness happens because of circumstances. Depression is your body saying, fuck you. I don't want to withhold this avatar, this persona that you've created anymore. And I, I, I truly believe that you spend enough time in heaven and... Uh, if one you start losing your purpose because what's what's there to do in heaven besides just chill all the time well you, you go to heaven to start the process of dying right like yeah and so you're gonna get soft and you're gonna just you're not living anymore you're, you're just, already going down if you're, if you're yeah, soft you know that's right? it and i think that the motivation that you can always to start the step into hell is that well hell hasn't killed me yet yeah. right so it's not it's bad but it won't kill me no, the first hell is the worst. Yeah. The first hell is like, I can't even see heaven. The second hell is like the anchor point. I'm willing to go through this because I know that there's a better life at the, uh, the other way. Mm. It, for instance, I can tie into, I, I'm not a dad. Uh, it's one of the things that I want to be. Um, but I'm pretty sure that you build an amazing life for yourself that you can support your kids. You're in heaven now. But then like maybe your kid uh, has problems in school with other kids. And you, you feel this very protective nature of like, I don't want my kid to go through any hardships, even though that's what's going to build character at some point, right? That's your version of hell. Now you're def going into hell because you don't know these things. You don't know how to deal with them. You don't know how he feels, etc. Any Anytime that we go into the unknown, we're facing a certain version of hell within ourselves because uh, effectively we have an animalistic nature of if I don't know something, if, if there's a dark corner in the room, there might be something there. I'm not sure of it. Until I venture into the dark corner and feel it out, mm. I will not know what's there. Yeah. Right? So um, back to like the habits, et cetera. I can, I can tell you like the habits that I have to like hook me into heaven, which is uh, working out, 
seeking self-development, having amazing conversations with amazing individuals. This, this type of stuff energizes me, gives me like, it's like, hell yeah, this is, there's something, there's someone, some place I can go there. Mm. When I'm in hell, I, I think, I don't know what my purpose is. Um, I don't know what I want to do next in my life. Right now I'm in that process of like, what, what do I want to build next? What do, where do I want to go next? How can I do something, not just for the money, but that I see purpose on? That's mm. something noble, right? Uh, and that's, that's my current hell. So I can't tell you like, Hey, uh, I can say for heaven, you know, if you're in the first hell, identify the problems that you need to fix in your life. Is it, are you getting stressed because you're living paycheck to paycheck? All right. What can you do? I wouldn't say start a business. I would say, look into talk to your employer. Are there other positions that you can make? Like what's, what's it going to take for you to get a promotion? Is there another job you can make? What skills can you learn? Et cetera. This is all going to pull you out of, pull you out of hell to heaven. Is it, you have a better relationship. Great. How can you be a better partner? Uh, what skills can you learn in order to become the best partner possible? Maybe you need to face certain truths about your relationship that you're not facing. Uh, is it your physical health? Go to the, the gym. There's heaven is not just one place in all facets of our life. It's What's some, the state? It's state. not a destination. It's, it's a state, state of being. A hundred percent. Sorry. Yeah, but I think that that's what um, what you, you need to do is like you need to expose yourself to that discomfort or hell consistently to feel alive. And the real hell is like the learning component is like acknowledging that you're not great. You're not great at work. You're not great in a relationship. You're not, there's, there's more to it, right? Like, and so then it's like, okay, in order to be better, these are some skills I have to learn. And then the learning really highlights how you suck, yeah. right? And that then becomes the thing to overcome because it becomes very easy to walk away from the learning. Because then it's hard. Like, it's, I don't know it. And I don't know how to solve this. And now I have to ask other people for help. And asking other people for help is really hard in itself, you know? So there's a lot of elements to say, like, it's easier to just stay where you are. But then you deal with, you deal with the other stuff of like, I'm anxious. I don't feel well. I'm depressed, like, et cetera. So I think that, uh, again, like, we have so much comfort around us, like the discipline of pushing ourselves has to, you know, be, you know, uh, at the t front of our brain. And it starts with small steps. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing. Like you said, don't go start a business. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and yeah, I, my, my thoughts on that is that actually entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. No. And actually the numbers are in favor of the professional people who find a career and build something consistently over years and are successful at that far outstrip the amount of people who start businesses and are su successful at that. So, you know, the, I think that entrepreneurship has been evangelized. It's like, it does, you know, talk about big money and it does have all of these things. Like, yeah, it has some negative trade-offs and I think it is a harder, a harder road in terms of stress. Um, but it has a much poorer track record in terms of success. Um, than just being a great professional. And you can be an entrepreneur within a business. Like you can go and be the person for that specific thing in that industry. And you can build that in the safety of a paycheck. And so so I think that, yeah, and no matter what you decide to do, whichever path you take, you, you need to take the path in the mindset that I'm constantly going to be developing myself or exposing myself to, to the suck. And that 
that I, and I, I, I'm sure, I don't know, what, what do you do for exercise? Uh, just weightlifting. 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 I'm looking to pick up a martial art uh, okay. very soon. Which one? Um, at first, I was going for BJJ. Uh-huh. Very popular nowadays. Uh, but then I decided to go to Muay Thai. Okay. Uh, the problem, the problem. it's not a problem, but the thing with BJJ is and some people, I'm sure some dude is going to uh, listen to what I'm going to say. He's like, what a pussy. It's like, <laughs> but the thing with BJJ is it's very easy to get um, injured. Yeah. So some guy can just pull your arm a bit too far and then like, what am I going to do with a, a bad arm and weightlifting for four weeks? So yeah. my priority is weightlifting. So therefore, I need to pick something that doesn't, yeah. you know, penalize it. Um, yeah, if I'm if I can add one thing to the Sorry. what you just said, yeah. it's just going back to it. Uh, entrepreneurship has this thing of survivor survivorship bias. You never. So what is that? So it's when you only hear the stories of the survivors. Yeah, a plane crashes. Two people survive out of a hundred and the other 98 are not there to tell the story or, or how they, they burned to death or they, they, you know, they faced a traumatic injury to the head or something like that. So the only stories that you hear is like this miraculous, you know, person who survived the plane crash. Yeah. And even, even the successful ones have had numerous crash and burns on the way yeah, to the yeah, success yeah. that you don't hear about either. Right? They're like, alive and there's like a big thing. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, entrepreneurship has that. You you always hear the stories of twenty five year old entrepreneur uh, got rich with a um, I don't know creating a sauce that creating zomato or something like that to yeah. plug in zomato you know something like that. Uh, you never hear the story of fifty um, year old dad invests everything he has and makes and puts in mortgages and his SaaS company fails. You never hear that story because mm. people don't want to hear that story. And to to a certain degree. It's good that they don't hear that story because that fuels like, again, we're going back to the teacher example of you can do it, you can't do it. But when you're like 20 to 30, it's very easy to go onto your entrepreneurship, start a business because if everything fails, you could just go back to your parents' house. Uh, 30 up and you're like, and I want to have- stakes are higher. Stakes are higher. You, yeah. you can't just, like, if you have kids, you have a responsibility towards your kids to provide for. So you can't just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to start a business now. I'm going to leave my job and something like that. You can't do that. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, who am I to say you can't do anything, but I hope you don't. You no, know? You, you, you can do anything, but the consideration around it and the risks around it are take more Sticks time, high, right? Like you, you have to, you have to enter those things. I think that like, you know, the example of someone who's, who's, been really successful in an industry and then wants to sort of go on their own there's a lot of weight to them being successful provided they they've got that type of pull right like but there's risk you there's know risk, yeah. there's more risk there's more accountability but in that example there's one thing that's different so i can't remember when i saw this study it was a couple of years ago but it found out that most millionaires are people that worked in a certain company for years and then left to do something on their own. Mm. So effectively, it's kind of like you're, you're going to work at a company for 10 years. You're going to hone, hone your craft to the best extent possible. And then maybe you become a consultant for that company. You're able to charge more and then you have different clients. Mm. This is probably like the safest route towards financial independence that I know. Either that or you're really good in sales. Yeah. Because entrepreneurship is kind of like a, a jack in the box. You never know what's going to yeah. come out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and one other thing that I wanted to touch on as well uh, on your last point 
you know, you said starting small. It was one of the biggest lessons I had in this last two years was swallowing my pride because I had like these projects that I wanted to make and I, I never did them. I procrastinated on them and I started to kind of punish myself. And on one of my therapy sessions, I realized that I am lacking humility. I am lacking humility to do the smallest task possible because I think I'm too good for it, or at least I thought I was. Uh, it's kind of like, let's say that you want to be uh, an influencer or something like that, but you posting on Instagram once a day, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I have teams to do that and all that. I was kind of like in that mind space. It's like, I have a team to do that. I'm not going to do the grunt work. Yeah. You know? Answer an email straight away. Yeah, that sort of thing. And then when I realized it's like, oh, okay. And, and I switched to no task is too, is too small, no task is... <laughs> and that kind of switched my mindset of now I can climb the mountain because I'm no longer looking at the halfway through the mountain saying like, yeah, I don't think I can climb that. I'm looking at first rock, second rock, third rock, fourth rock, and it just keep going. So if you're in hell, do the smallest task available yeah. to lead you out of hell. Whatever you can get your first fingernails into is the, is the first grip, right? Like the grips will get bigger yeah. and your capability to reach further will, will come. But, um, and I think that's, that's something that um, I see quite a lot of with successful entrepreneurs or people with a, bit, a track record is that they start to glorify their busyness. Mm. And the reason I was like the small task, like I sent an email to someone to be on the show. Okay. You can't be on the show. You're a very busy person. And I'm cool with that. But the response I got, I was very polite. How are you? We know each other. Um, would love you to be on the show. I think that your insights are hugely valuable. And I also asked, you know, sort of how's your new baby? Like, I was like polite, not Pretty overly reporting. long mail. Like, I remember that you had had a child. It was early days, like last time we spoke. Like, very short. Hey, how are you? How's the baby? Listen, I've got this podcast. I want to be on you. And the response I got back was like, hi, really busy. Let's touch base next year. And I'm like, you know, it was like maybe five extra words to just add some pad into that. There's like, hi. I can't be on it now. Thanks for asking. All, all's well at home. Can we touch base next year? Like the tone of that's completely different, but you're like really busy touch base next year. Like you're so busy. You couldn't write five extra things. You were answering the mail anyway. Just do it. Like, and I, and I feel that that's like a trap that, you know, you have to just be aware of is that, you know, kindness, extra time, doing the small things consistently, those are all like things to consistently work on. Um, just another like crazy example. I have a lot of experience training. I've owned my own CrossFit gym. I've always exercised. I've like, I've always been incredibly active and deeply interested in nutrition, different eating um, sort of styles or, or, or formats, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I've really just been so stuck in terms of my own development, my own progress, my ability to lose weight or to sort of maintain uh, sort of a diet. And it's always been like, I'm too busy or I don't know, the kids, I'm a dad now. And I was like, and then when I started working with coaches, I would kind of like poo-poo them in like the first like weeks. I was like, what is this program you're giving me? I'm advanced, you know, like, why am I getting this? I'm like, and now I'm just like, shut up. 
Like, if they tell you to do a simple, basic movement, just that's the movement that you're going to do. And I, I'm like, really strong. I feel incredible at the moment. And it's just because I'm like, yeah, yeah. leave your ego there. You are not making it on the way that you want to make it. So obviously, you need help. And so when you do get the help, listen to the help or empty your cup, you know, like you're going to them with a full cup and then you're like rejecting what they're giving you, which is a kind of a waste of everybody's time. So if you're going to immerse yourself in that, empty your cup, start small and absorb every step that you need to take uh, along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So crazy story. Done. And the reason I brought up your what type of training is because it was an example of whatever you decide to do, I'm sure it's not easy. Right, like doing something like Muay Thai um, is still daunting. Whether you choose jiu-jitsu, and we can talk about the injuries in jiu-jitsu uh, <laughs> for days, and I've had a few, it's, but it's never stopped me from actually um, weight training. But, okay. but um, uh, you know, I think that Muay Thai is also like someone's going to hit you in the face or you're going to hit someone else in the face or you're going to expose yourself to to conflict, to war. Like, And that's not an easy path either right and so you you also develop like a taste for that um that that stress or that suck you know like and then that becomes like part of your dna makeup because you know it's a formula that now works for you so like over time you've done it and you're like okay well they can't they can't kill me and they can't eat me so i might as well just try it you know and i've survived worse than this before and so you kind of build the confidence for yourself that no matter what is in the dark corner going to your previous point, no matter what's in there, I know have I have the skills to take it on. Yeah. And even if it repels me, I, I know I'll learn from that experience and then I'll go back to the dark corner again and take it on again once I know what it is. So I think that that's just like something that you have to consistently build in yourself. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Exposing yourself to that, that sort of danger, uh, I think it's very important. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, let's, let's plug Jordan Peterson one more time here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you just read 12 Rules for Life. Yeah. Uh, there's this example of, uh, you're running in the forest and you hear something in the bushes and you think it's a wolf, right? It's a forest at night. You think it's a wolf. It's going to eat. You start running. And if you just had, you know, if you took a quick look back, you, you notice it's a squirrel. Yeah. But to take that look back is the scariest thing you'll ever do in your life because you're like... I am putting myself in danger right now. Yeah. I am facing the, the, the fear and it might be a wolf and that at that point you can actually run. Uh, but it also might just be a squirrel. And I think what I, what I like about martial art, there was this, this guy on YouTube, it's very like mat, manly coach type of thing. And he said, at 30 years old, you should do X amount of things. And one of the things he said is, you should be able to enter in a room, look around and say, if I were in a fight, I could probably hold my own. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to become this very aggressive guy who's going to, you know, look for a fight. But there is a certain sense of security that is in your body when you know that if shit goes down, I'm not at risk of death or I'm not at risk of injury. Plus, I mean, even Jocko Willing says, if you're in a street fight, the best thing you can do is run. Mm-hmm. But the, that certainty of... I don't lack the skills to engage in certain um, situations. I think brings a lot of not just confidence, but safety within your own body because you know that you have the skills and the tools to deal with something. This could even be something that, you know, maybe I'm even going to take the conversation to a slightly different avenue here, but 
Uh, I've done a lot of psychedelic therapy. That's kind of been my main avenue towards guided or by yourself. Guided, okay. guided, awesome. uh, and I've guided sessions as well. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the best things that I learned about myself is how I can be comfortable in discomfort. I had this one um, psilocybin journey where I felt the most anxious I've ever felt for three hours. And so imagine anxiety and imagine anxiety turned up to a hundred and you feel that for three hours, you can't escape it. It's like mm. you're in the depths of it. You can choose to either be with it or you can choose to try to run away from it. You can't run away from it. So I chose to be with it instead. And you know, the biggest lesson that I got from there is like, I can survive this, whatever my mind throws at me, I can survive the worst feelings. It's not, it's not that I don't feel them. It's not that I am uh, stoic about mm. them. Uh, but effectively going through those experiences and coming out on the other side just shows me how strong I can be. Yeah. And you, and the more you do it, the stronger you become. You yeah, know, I don't I, recommend doing psychedelics. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. mean the psychedelics, but I mean, <laughs> I mean like, wa like walking through it, you know, like, yeah. Um, and I, I think that's also like identifying it is like a big thing. I, I find like taking time to identify like what it is in you, whether it's anxiety, you know, what, what, it, what the stress is like boiling it down to its like essence and saying, okay, well now I'm going to build a program to address that. And that can be like a big game changer in terms of how you move forward. So I think, uh, you know, like an example, like, I have high anxiety and I deal with it by creating chaos. And then the chaos creates the noise that I don't have to deal with the anxiety. But it can also lead to a perfect storm when all the chaos that I create peaks my anxiety and then like it's all bets are off. Mm -hmm. And like a simple process of saying, well, what am I writing down? What do I believe is true? I believe that I'm an imposter. I shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is, I don't deserve to have this opportunity. How much out of 10 do I believe that's true? Nine out of 10. Like, that's just how I feel. In the next one, okay, give five points to validate that statement, like that you're an imposter. Like, and then you, you sit there like really trying to find reasons why that's true enough. And then you have to go create five to the opposite, to the counter of that feeling. And you write them down. And there's like right now, how much out of 10 do you believe that's true? And suddenly the number really drops because it becomes very easy to prove, to disprove that, that feeling or that voice in your head. And most of the time it's just your own voice. It's not what people are saying, it's what you're saying. Like, well, I, I believe I'm an imposter. And why do you believe that's true? I don't know. <laughs> like, why do I feel that that's true? Well, I got here because I got lucky. You know, I was in the right place at the right time or blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the point where it's like, well, I still produced really well <laughs> in the role, even though I got lucky. I still, you know, I've still built a massive network. I'm st I've been promoted multiple times. I've won multiple awards on this. Okay, I definitely should deserve to be here. Like, I think that just like finding a program for dealing with whatever you, you, is bothering you is like such a good way once you're identifying and spending time identifying it is like a critical thing to do. 100%. I've never done that, that exercise, but I should. That's, yeah. that's a really an amazing way to Yeah, it. it's, I, I use it all the time now. Now, now it's not even always written. Sometimes I'll just do it in my mind. Yeah. And um, uh, as something else that I, I highly recommend is getting feedback from people about yourself, like doing a questionnaire. Like, it's like a rating questionnaire. And you send it out to friends and people that hate you, that you think hate you and whatever. <laughs> and what came back was a lot of 
reinforcement of what I kind of knew to be true, but I didn't acknowledge. So mm. always the first answer that everyone says, like, what is my Stephen's most like, um, so what is your most, uh, your, your best attribute? And then everyone always says my empathy. And I kind of knew it, but when people that love you tell you that face to face, you think it's like something that they should tell you, right? Like when you say good things about me, you should because we're friends or because you're my mom or whatever it is. You have a reason. You have a reason. But once you do that feedback and like 20 people kind of saying a similar thing, eventually you say like, well, maybe I should just listen to this. Like this is the truth. Mm -hmm. And I should now tell myself the same thing because you try to spend a lot of time inside your mind actually disproving what people are saying that that is good about you. So, so I really highly, highly recommend that. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah. So what are you, um, just sort of wrapping up, what are you, what are you kind of working on now? Like what's are big projects for your big interests and, uh, you know, where to, where to for the, for the next couple of years? Um, Right now, the, the, the projects that I'm looking into are definitely around uh, self-development, mental health, this sort of thing that we've been talking about. Uh, much much like you with the podcast, ideally, like trying to create a platform where I can uh, talk about this type of stuff. And effectively, because I am an entrepreneur at heart, um, I do believe that I want to create a way that it can bring energy towards myself, but it also can bring energy towards others, right? Mm. And that energy is also in the form of money. So I need to find a way to monetize and create a business. Uh, the good thing is that I have the agency that's a good cash flow business on the side. And that allows me to like, okay, let me explore these avenues. I could do this for a year or two before I need to monetize it. Mm. And I still have that. So effectively, I'm looking into that. Um, I'm being very careful with saying exactly what I'm going to do because I kind of want to build in, in silence and uh, then come out with something already ready mm-hmm. rather than just saying like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to become a coach or something like that. And then the the problem with that is the, um, the validators. So we, we as humans, we have the network of validators. So when you say something like that and you spread it towards a lot, it kind of, you remove energy from that goal because now you're just, spreading that energy across you know, multiple people, multiple validators. And that makes it really hard because the, a lot of people that you at, tell your goals about are not really the same people that are going to keep you accountable. So I'd rather, you know, let me really put that pressure, healthy pressure on myself to find this. But it's definitely going to go towards those areas. And so do you have people that you do consider ones that hold you accountable that do sort of, or is it always on you? Um, I do. So I, I, uh, I hired two coaches now that I'm working with, uh, for different aspects of my life. Um, and I did share what I'm, uh, planning on doing with another, uh, friend of mine. Um, so yeah, I do have people that will keep me accountable, but largely it's myself. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm telling you this. So if you feel like the next time we speak, you can ask me like, Hey man, I'm going to, it's going to be like the first thing I was like, how's it going? I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so yeah. Okay. Awesome. I wish you luck. And I, thanks for coming and spending time with me today. It's been awesome to chat to you and, uh, thank you for the invite. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thanks. I agree. Awesome. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs)